the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode number 20, recorded Thursday, September 19th, 2013. All right, Mr. Chairman. This is EdTech, the education-focused podcast put on to you by the fine folks at AV Nation. They're really nice guys over there. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host, and I'm also a technology manager. So are the, the fine, smart gentlemen that join me each and every month. First and foremost, from the University of California, Los Angeles, his name is Greg Brown. How are you, sir? I'm here, alive and well. You are here, thankfully. It's like 70 there, year-round, so... Uh, actually, it's 69 degrees, so I have a jacket standing by. And a muffler and something else. Uh, the other extreme of that, his name is Scott Tyner. <laughs> he works at Bates College in the beautiful state of Maine. How are you, brother? I am doing fantastic, and it speaking is indeed a beautiful state. What did you say? I, I said, speaking of I was say, no, no, Greg Brown's uh, whispering something Greg, in the background. I know, that's, it's my turn to talk. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and last but not least, we uh, we affectionately refer to him as Mr. Silverman, and I'll explain that in a yes. second. His name is Matt Silverman. Uh, he works for George Mason University. Uh, have you? you maybe he does an awful lot with Infocom International as well. Uh, the chair of the Standards Committee and a whole lot of others. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Got a little bit of uh, California weather today. Seventy-four and sunny. And oh wow, gorgeous. good for you guys. Yeah. Um, real quickly, a, a very nice gentleman uh, from the University of Alberta sent Mr. Silverman a, uh, a, a message here and just said that uh, they listened to us uh, up there at the University of, of Alberta. So we wanted to say thank you to Ian and, and everybody else that, uh, that listens to us. Uh, and hopefully your, your AV meeting goes well because they said in, in their note that uh, this is, is recommended listening prior to their monthly AV meeting. So hopefully your meeting goes well guys so uh this month we're going to talk about a couple different things first of all uh, not first of all but we're going to talk about biometrics and the whole scanning your your uh, your your fingerprint thing uh, i.e the the whole uh, new iphone also uh mr <laughs> mr tyner has a, a poem that i'm not going to make him read but we're going to oh, get yes, in, we're going we're going to get in, we're going <laughs> we're going to get into uh some back to school horror stories and talk about mass notification. Uh, first of all, though, is we're going to talk about, talk about Casio. Not the first time we talked about Casio on this show or the other ones as well. They've got their whole lamp-free projectors. They're very nice. You've got lasers. You've got this, that, and the other. And now they have an extended value warranty program. Now, before you get too excited, it's not free, right? This is, this is in essence, uh, an extended warranty. You can buy it. Knock yourself out. Uh, and I'm sure you buy it from the same uh, integrator, the same company that you're going to buy the, the, lamp, the uh, projectors from. You can get up to five years, uh, on, you know, the whole thing altogether, you can get five-year warranty on this, on this projector. Uh, Matt, we'll kick it off with you. Is, is this, I mean, why do we need five years, I guess, uh, is the best way to put this. Why do we need, the, we need five years on a lamp-free projector? Um, well, I think just having your projector under warranty is a great thing. Um, you know, if you look at us, George Mason uses a five-year duty cycle for a projector. 
So being able to have a projector under life, uh, under warranty for its entire lifespan it w is great for us. And I will say the whole idea of a five-year warranty, particularly in the education space, is actually a little bit of catch-up. Um, I think Epson and NEC and then Panasonic, I think actually Panasonic has a five-year standard or something like that. And I know Epson has a purchasable extended warranty in this space. It's kind of old school in the... Uh, in the education space, but it's definitely useful because it means at least for your core projector, and in this case, the entire kit and caboodle since it's lamp-free, you just don't have to worry about if it breaks. And if you have a five-year lifespan, which is generally what I've heard most people in higher ed use. Five it, years? Five years? Okay, maybe. Most of us in Virginia use five years. I don't, I don't know about the rest of you all. But, um, you know, in a five-year lifespan, it means you never have to worry about warranty issues on your projector. Okay, so but for those of us that aren't, um, actually, Scott, we'll go with you. What is your your life cycle for projectors? Let's start with that. Ours ours is six years, um, and you know it, it's interesting. I, I think that what, this is so funny when you, we talk about warranties because a, a couple of years ago, if you would ask me about warranties, um, we had less staffing, and honestly, for me, it was more work to deal with warranty issues than it was to just take a new projector and put it up. Um, so the warranties didn't matter to me as much back then. Now that we actually have the appropriate number of staffing, um, and we actually have somebody who can take it, repair it, get it back, um, they become more and more important. Um, it's really nice, as Matt said, if, this, if, if you've got a warranty that covers your entire replacement cycle. Um, the question for me is whether or not it's enough to you know, get you to switch uh, who you use. I, I don't use Casio. Frankly, I don't, I've never heard of anybody who does. So... I don't know if this is going to do that. <laughs> I, I thought we were talking another company we pissed off. No, I, I mean I thought we were talking about watches from the 1984s when this first started. Oh, very nice, very well done. But I, I just <laughs> so you know I, it's not going to get me to switch. All right, Greg. What was? We'll, we'll start with you again. The same with same question. What is your refresh cycle? Greg just prefers you know to whisper in the background. He does. He's, he's he's a Californian. What do you expect? <laughs> What, what are these five- and six-year replacement cycles of which you speak? Sound like some hoity-toity private university. So say, what do you do Proceeds. every year, California boy? I, I have um, – I, I, I've got um, – my, my worst right now are like 40-some-odd NECs I have that are over eight years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, most of them, they're all they're all coming up, uh, either coming up on eight or have passed it. And um, well, hang on for now, a second. Do you have a refresh cycle? I mean, is that no? It's kind of more a little bit more random than that. We we had some we had some really uh, crappy projectors a couple years ago, and I I won't throw uh, ASK Proxima or In Focus under the bus, but um, we had a whole bunch of those that we just had to rip out after. Um, th those came with uh, two-year warranties, and a number of them died uh, two or three months outside of that two-year warranty. So we were wholesale ripping those out. Um, and I think basic, and, and, and so it's it's been a little bit more that that really made it a little bit more ad hoc for us. You know, the 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 NECs that uh, I think we've had two fail now um, just kept soldiering on. So in a sense, we we have been ignoring them you know they'll they'll probably be my last four by three projectors and we've just been you know replacing the problem children 
basically first. And so, you know, what, what Casio is doing here is neat. And, and, and to give them their props, I saw them at a, a little local trade show here just the other week, and they have a, uh, a 4K Lumen version now to, to battle the Sony. I'd love to see them both head-to-head. I mean, the, they, they aren't full laser like the Sony is, and I'm, their, their source material that they were using was, was markedly absent of green, which <laughs> is kind of where these... Um, these, I mean, I mean, no, no green in the in the original material, such that you're not giving a good, showing us any good examples of like grassy fields or stuff like that. It seems to be the green where these these hybrid laser LED projectors get kind of funky. But um, they're they're letting you buy a fourth and fifth year, and that's great. You know, that's that's about the only place I think the projector companies can compete now. I mean. Aren't we all kind of a little hard pressed to buy a bad projector these days? No. Oh no, you could do it in RB. No. Okay. <laughs> and, and we are actually, I feel a little superior to Mr. UCLA here. We have a refresh cycle. <laughs> uh, ideally, according to the powers we that be, we don't need no stinking I know refresh you don't. cycle. You just pull the money out of your back pocket and just wave it around and get a pallet of <laughs> Sony's or something. Um, we have a refresh cycle of about eight years. That 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 is our goal. Uh, currently, and this is not to pat myself on the back, but our entire team, we're at seven years, um, based on you know retiring some rooms and this that and the other. And uh, I, I made mention the other day on on another show that that we have a, a couple buildings that are hundred and well, they were built in the eighteen thirties. So. Uh, some of those rooms have been retired as classrooms, and so you get to you know you get to you know harvest those back, and so we're about seven years, which is kind of cool. So to me, this whole Casio thing, um, it, it, I'm flying without a net for two years. I'm fly, flying without a net for four years. To me, that's it, it, that's no big difference to me, uh, and that's why I was like, okay, cool. I, I'm I go back to Scott's point though. You're right. They're trying everything they can to get people to go to to, to jump ship. Um, you wrote a very nice piece about. Um, it was a it, it was an equal uh, it was a, a, a reference to dating when it comes to manufacturers, and I agree with you. There there are certain things that you just it's not sucking a rut. You you find something um, that you like about a company. You either it's the rep or it's the product or it's both or it's the price point or it's it's everything. And good go- lord, you know, unless somebody comes out with you know the latest greatest thing and it's well under. The price point you're already paying, I'm not going to switch. Um, yeah, they they've got to do something, you know, the, you know, and I don't even know if this would do it. If if Casio was giving away a lifetime warranty, <laughs> uh, with with including lamps. Well, it's lamp free, so know, there you go. Oh, yeah. well, I see. Yeah, <laughs> even then, I don't know. You know, even then, it's like, geez. It's just it, it's a lot, you know. We've got a we use NECs. We've got an NEC certified tech on staff, you know. So it's it's just tough. And you guys, that means you guys are heavily invested in that. I mean, you guys are all in, right? If, and and you know, and it's for the most part treated us well. So well, I, I think it's in, it's something to think about. And Scott's articles were really spot on. Um, we have to start thinking about, for those of us who have large campus environments, higher ed or otherwise, really looking in the same way people invest in 
IT architectures and AV architectures. It's not just the cost of changing product. There's 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 a there's an overall cost. You know, what does it do to your support model? How many more SKUs does it make you stock? If yeah. you do your own programming, how many new modules do you have to write? And I think a lot of times our industry gets stuck in this hang it and run mentality for installation where we as technology managers really have to look at the lifetime costs. And you can change product, but it's a detailed structured evaluation where you're looking at a long-term return on investment when you make that decision. You know, and it, there has to be some factor which really says now's the time to change. You know, we looked at, you know, things like what are lampless projectors really give us because they're you know, more expensive than lamp projectors. And we know what our bulb utilization is over a lifetime. It's about three bulbs, give or take. And, you know, maybe we could have saved 20 to 30 bucks in a lifetime, but that meant recoding everything, stocking parts for the five years while we, sh you know, shifted models. There just really wasn't a return for you know for the university on making a switch, right? And you know yeah, even that, the coding is a great point. I'm mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Greg, because just you know we like I said we've been using NEC, and honestly we've been using the same module. I'm guessing for five years, so as long as we know to get the bod right right, we can swap out projectors all day in every room and never touch the programming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. I, and I'm and I'm guessing you're probably like us, where you've actually enhanced the default module to make it work for your campus. Right. Yeah, we've done some yeah. things that um, we would definitely have to go back and not just change, but but yeah. rewrite, and you know, and figure out just the little quirks that everything has. Yeah, you know, our uh, the, these are primarily right now still a, a small room projector, although they're they're starting to move up there in brightness and um, the I, I basically have three projectors a big one a medium size and a small room projector and our current small room projector that we've been buying is now coming with a lamp that's good for 6,000 hours and a lot of these smaller rooms they don't see the sort of daily you know every hour use that some of the big and medium size auditoriums see and we're sort of wondering in some of these smaller rooms whether on those 6,000 hours, whether we're actually ever going to change the lamp on some of these projectors. Mm. No, that, and that's a good point, especially if, if you ever do come up with a refresh cycle. <laughs> it'll probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of five to nine, eight years, six years. You should look into right. that. You should have a meeting. You know, and the, the final, my final piece on that is that, you know, as we've said before, these companies are so competitive that if NEC or Epson feels as though uh, Casio is, is really uh, causing a threat to their business, they can do the same thing. Yes, absolutely. And, and so you've got to look at the long term. I, I switch today, and in six months, the company that I've been working with all along does the same thing. Yeah, that, that's the, at least that's the, the hope that, you, that you, we all hang on to. And <laughs> real quickly, guys, and this is kind of a little same topic, but, but different types of companies. What about video infrastructure and control infrastructure and asset management infrastructure? Whether you are an Aurora guy or a AMX guy or a Crestron, whoever, you have so much time, and, and we talked about modules. Those are inherently Crestron, you know, I shouldn't say inherently Crestron things, but that's what I think of um, when I think of modules. We get so, so in, incredibly in, invested in these companies and, and their products. 
and either they start doing things that are either you know out of the ordinary or the, the company starts failing or the company starts going downhill or somebody else comes up with a holy cow this is the best 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 thing i've ever seen and you wait for six months or you wait for a year or you wait for two years and the company that you're invested in already isn't doing anything they keep promising and promising but nothing really ships at what point do you say, okay, I'm going to leave you and go over here and start the process of switching over my 300 rooms to mm. you know, the other company? That's one of my big fears, and it's something I didn't write about because um, I wasn't sure how to do it. Um, that I, you know, We can probably both name two of the biggest companies out there um, that are privately owned. Yep. And... We all are getting older, including the owners of those companies. And someday, there's going to have to be a transition. And what does that mean? It's going to be painful. I mean, the, a good example stepping outside of that is look at what happened when Cisco bought Hamburg. You still can get decent product, and I we, we use it. But... Some of the things we were used to, some of the support we were used to, changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone at some point has to do an evaluation. What is, again, that cost of transitioning? Yeah. Um, I, you know, personally, I like to be aware of, even if I'm not buying it, what other companies are doing. Um, you know, and I, I, I sorry. Go, no, ahead. go ahead. I'm Okay, and the other thing I'd say is I just really hope it's particularly in the control space. We see more and more transition towards structured IT programming languages. So if we ever in a point where we have to transition, it, at least your programmer can move, you know, somewhat fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it necessarily has to be that that. Uh, you know, family-owned transition to the next generation type thing. I mean, not to, not to, to throw them under the bus, but you know, look at the whole thing AMX went through with this the Panja thing there back ten years ago. You know that that had a lot of people really kind of freaked out. It's like, you know, where where did my control system company go, and why are you changing all the equipment on us? Right. Yeah. You know, so a a a public company can do just as as weird sort of a thing i think and and that's the big fear and so the question is should is it is it irresponsible for any of us if if we're doing it to be running one one platform when you know and i always I, you know and you could look at you know skype well microsoft bought skype and i think they've changed some things but yeah. you know it's still pretty much the same so you just you don't know it, it's it's it was food for thought and i think it's an interesting it's an interesting no, conversation it's a very interesting conversation oh. because you're i mean you, you're making a good point is is it irresponsible for any of us to be running one and, and to run with one company Yes and no. I mean, the the <laughs> reason the reason no, here's a, the reason that we do is because it, it streamlines our our work days, right? It streamlines our processes. Um, who here wants to wants to maintain some and support? of us aren't running with one company? Some of us no. jumped whole hog into uh, having two different control system companies over the last year. Well, what about two <laughs> or three? I mean, here's the thing, guys. There's, I mean, who was it? Um, not uh, not Geffen, um, uh, University uh, URC, um, 
they're they're coming out with not just obviously remote controls, but they're coming out with with their own automation system. Every, Geffen has an automation system for Pat Loud. Uh, so do you go with you know a dozen? Do you go with half a dozen? I mean, you're right, no. Scott. I mean, you you have to balance efficiency that you get from a single architecture with agility. Um, you know, let, let's step out the out of the AV realm for a sec because the IT realm has gone through this a lot. You know, take a look at companies like Novell. How many of our campuses were Novell, uh, you know, network uh, operating systems? If you go back ten years, I know we were. We went through a very painful transition and somewhat still going through it from Novell to Microsoft. And I know one of the things that frustrated me greatly about some of the decisions that were made at George Mason on the IT side is for just those reasons of fear and agility, we chose not to go with a wholly Microsoft environment. So we implemented a little bit of A, a little bit of B, and a little bit of C, and really didn't end up meeting either our support needs or our users' needs. Holy Microsoft, Batman. Yeah, I was going to say, is that, is that with a W or is that H-O-L-E-Y? <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave Mr. Silverman alone. Uh, yeah, it, it is, um, it, it's such an interesting thing to think That'd about. That would be a W, uh, by the way, but yes. Okay, that's how you spell that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think wholly with an H in Microsoft, I, I, I think most people would uh, say we're going in the wrong direction there. No, H O L E Y. Yes, yes, whatever. That's what not H O L Y. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> this this story came across my desk. I think it was from from you, Greg, and I just kind of had Uh-oh. to shake my head. But it, I get it. <laughs> <sighs> I think I know where we're going. Bulletproof whiteboard, y'all. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I saw that. It's like. I, I don't know what the hell we're going to say, but we got to talk about this. Okay. Well, first of all, it's made and by... I, and I hope everybody saw the video. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, the link will be on, on, on the show notes here. <laughs> it's made by a company called Hardware Hardwire LLC, and they started out making stuff for the military. So the next logical jump, jump is to make stuff for the classroom, obviously. Hire it, yeah. Uh, and and I'm, I'm just wondering... Uh, how long, I mean, do you think we're going to see this at Infocom next year on smart boards, you know, bulletproof smart boards? Um, Greg, have we gotten to the point where this is a necessity, I guess? I, I really, I, I think it's more of a comic relief item than anything else. Right. I mean, go, go in and watch the video. I mean, yeah. they, they literally have a, a, a dummy holding it up in front of them and they, they, you know, put, put, uh, put slugs into it. It's great. Um, first of all, how many people teach? It's it's what like eighteen by twenty or something like that, yeah. and so you like hold it with one hand, and then you write on it with the other. And I I think I've only really ever seen p- teachers do that in in like advertisements where it shows how the manufacturer thinks teachers really teach. I mean, how how many? I, I'd be curious if anybody has ever seen a teacher do that. It seems, that that seems terribly awkward yeah. i mean we write on boards on in in all of our circles i think for the most part so you're not typically going to be holding a board like that in that way and besides if somebody starts shooting i mean y- your first reaction is to go run and get your whiteboard <laughs> i don't it, know this this you know it, it's stupid and whoever's paying money <laughs> for those should be fired and here's what i can I, i'm going to be honest you know 
Scott I, I think I, I think I've I think I've met I don't know if I've ever met Tim in person, but for the other two who have seen me, that whiteboard ain't covering me. <laughs> I will die. die. <laughs> I will die even with that whiteboard. <laughs> Scott apparently <laughs> suffers from the same disease I do. So. <laughs> I I would have more like hitting the person over the head with it than holding it in front of or me. Or throwing it like a like um Captain America's shield. <laughs> And, well, Ian, and wouldn't, wouldn't you love it? You know, so so the faculty member survives, but the thirty people in the room, <laughs> you know, it's just it's so stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah. Besides, if if you are going to have the the wherewithal and the opportunity to hit them with something, you know, screw the whiteboard. I'm going for the fifty pound fire extinguisher or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I. It, it, you know, the fact is, there's just there's much more sophisticated and smarter ways. To secure our places than a tiny little bulletproof whiteboard. It's just it's dumb. Sorry, what? I'm done. No, no, you're fine. Here's the, <laughs> and, and I understand the comic relief part, but I, I actually had somewhat of a serious question. Um, and Matt, we'll, we'll kick it with you on this one, there's, Mr. Silver, Mr. Silverman. Yeah. Um, we there's okay. So the, the technology is there. The possibilities are there. Could we see this moving into a smart board, like the little portable smart boards that are on wheels, in which case, you know, guys like me could sit behind them and not get hit. Uh, And then um, (laughs) at that point, is the selling point of the device saving the life or is it the fact that do do they sacrifice it looking good for the fact that it'll save, you know, it'll it'll stop bullets? I, I, I guess I, I kind of hate being the serious foil on this one. But, um, <laughs> then, then don't, I mean. Yeah, no, no I, I guess because we, we've had some major inci- incidents in Virginia, and there was actually a recent yeah. incident in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too long ago. And the thing that strikes me about this is marketing people need to stay out of security because uh, this really, <laughs> to me, seems like, Someone should have had a quality conversation with their marketer and just let it go. Um, but it's something actually that I see a lot that we get pulled into, which is at least I don't consider myself a security professional. And when it gets to this stuff, really making sure the right people get involved and the qualified people, because I, I sadly could see someone on some committee that I'm involved with at the university say, hey, we should add these to a classroom. Or, you know, even if they had, I'm not quite sure how one would make this interactive, but that's a whole nother conversation. And at at that point, it, it, you know, it really stops being technology and it starts being something else. So I I guess I look at it as being a little bit outside my purview. Okay. Well, I think also you got to, we we have to maybe acknowledge the elephant in the room here that, in in a lot of hey, our hey, circles. Hey, <laughs> oh, gee, thank you, Scott. But you know, if anybody is the elephant, <laughs> oh, um, I, I, that in a lot of our circles here in in higher ed, I think doesn't it often come down to you, you know, so somebody keeps their job because they did something rather than somebody did something. Yeah. That yeah. made a lot of sense and was the right thing to do. I mean, our our answer here, you know, everybody, yes, since Virginia Tech has has yeah. jumped on the, you know, the the doing something at their campus to 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 address that issue. And so, 
you know, we put, I think I've mentioned them before, we put, you know, a handful of these uh, Voice of God speakers on, a, on a, a, a bunch of buildings across campus here. And so, you know, when something goes on, you know, you get this great big loud, and, and so the joke we always make is that, you know, the shooter or somebody just has to, to get on campus and, and trigger that and, and uh, get, get the speakers to go off and we'll all run outside to see where, so we can understand what it is that it's saying and people will shoot us then because we can't understand it inside any of the buildings on campus. Oh, well, actually, speaking of security, well, that leads us into our next one. Scott wrote a good piece, actually a second piece, on, on security. And Scott, we'll, we'll kick it off with you. Uh, Matt made the point of you know different people getting involved. Who should be involved in security talks and mass notification talks uh, when it comes to different campuses? And, and does it differ based on the campus? Well, I think you know the actual title will differ. I think, uh, in, in my opinion. It should be led by your director of security, you know, the highest, uh, the highest person in your security office. Um, I think your infrastructure people should be involved. I think your desktop support people should be involved um, because there's actually a lot of software out there now that sends um, alert messages to the desktop. I think certainly in, in AV with digital signage and some of the things I've, I wrote about with cameras and microphones and touch panels, um, we can help get the word out. And I think that, of course, your um, dean of faculty or provost, somebody from that office, uh, needs to be involved. But certainly, you know, as Matt said, it needs to come from a thoughtful security leader and professional who, who says, here's the things that make sense. How do we do it? Hmm, that makes sense. Uh, Greg, when it comes to this whole talking about security, who is then... I guess ultimately responsible is the, is it that head of security, uh, the highest level security? Uh, my understanding was this was all done by our facilities department. What we've done, I mean, we have the. Remember, we're the we're the folks with the the thirty four IT departments or whatever it is that we've got right now. Where um, I believe they looked at some IT based solutions and they just weren't going to happen with our our network system, and that's why they went to you know the big loudspeakers on the roof that nobody can understand. Wow. Well, and so I I don't know what to tell you. Matt, then, if if that was a horrible decision, by the way, uh, um, th who should make that decision, Matt? Uh, well, I, I think it's actually very similar to the whole, you know, how does the classroom get designed conversation is you get requirements from your security experts and hopefully there's an opportunity to work with them on pairing the right technology solution. Uh, it's the whole my, my thing which I said about the boards as well mark when marketing gets involved with security you generally get sold stuff you don't need and I think we've all seen that happen hmm. uh, I think when marketing gets involved you get sold stuff that you don't need yeah and so I mean I, I think we can very much help them particularly I know there's some new stuff coming down uh, in the National Fire Code about uh, whether or not um, you know, about intelligibility of sound and coming out of enunciators. So that's a place where we have some expertise that we can help with. Um, and and, and th there's definitely ways we can assist with this. But And I, I don't know how we're structured if any of us really have, uh, you know, security in our mandate. 
Mm-hmm. We're, there are already uh, questions on the intelligibility standards starting to pop up in some of the Infocom certification tests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, yeah, what is it, NFPA 74 or yeah. something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea what the answers were. But did you pass the test? Yes. Oh, my. And that's why you got the Charlie Brown speakers. <laughs> All right. Um, you are listening to EdTet. Thank you so much for doing so. Greg Brown is here from UCLA. Scott Tyner from Bates College. And uh, Mr. Matthew Silverman from George Mason University. Um, Mr. Matt Silverman. How many of you guys are, are, are iPhone users? Are all of you, any of you? I am. Oh, you are. I am. Um, I still have a little... Uh, droid, baby. I have a little droid. Uh, I'm, a, s- I'm sorry. A Galaxy <laughs> S4. It's a nice one. I like it. Uh, so the new I- iPhones came out, and along with it came the new fancy schmancy worst secret, almost worst kept secret, is the fact that they have a fingerprint reader. Yay! Because I had one of these on my IBM back in 1984. <laughs> um, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't poke fun. Uh, it is kind of cool. The little home button is now a is is it the home button right, Scott? That is now the 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 fingerprint. I believe reader. it is. Um, yeah. And I, that got us talking over email about biometrics and and, and things of that nature. Um, Scott, it, we'll, we'll kick it off with you on this. I are we ready for stuff like this in the classroom or on, on campus? Yeah, you know, I think that um, the, the thing I think is interesting about this is not necessarily about um, Apple and the iPhone. You know, I, I think they're they're not even the first one really to come up with kind of mass marketing for it. You know, we've seen it on laptops before and the like. Um, and, I, and I think there's gonna you're gonna see two two fields of opinion. One is this whole thing of I don't want to give my fingerprints to anybody. Um, and, and for me, I had worked in public schools in Maine where you need to be fingerprinted. I've gotten other things that, you know, have need to get fingerprinted for. So my fingerprints are, are there out, out in the world, right? So I don't care if I give my fingerprint to Apple or to anybody else. What I really think about it, though, and I don't know how many years down the road this is, but, you know, on touch panels right now, we have buttons that a faculty member can walk in and hit Scott Tyner and boom, just everything that they love happens for them. Yes. And so why not? A fingerprint, a, a thumbprint, an index fingerprint, just to do the same thing, um, because it, it is funny how we how we joke about this, but really, uh, Bates makes me put um, a, a passcode on my iPhone, and it just annoys me that I have to type <laughs> in those four numbers every time I want to use my. It's it's you know it's three seconds of my life, but it just seems like it's God. I got to do that, and then I get it wrong every now and again because my fingers are cold. I, I'd I'd, lo- I'd like it, and I think that um, I know I'm ready for it, and you know people can have my fingerprint. I don't care. Yeah, but the question yeah, is, do, do they, they make provide? Th- yeah, go ahead. Do they provide that phone for you? Is that why they're requiring a password? Yes. Password on it. Yes. Oh wow. Provided phones. Now there's a benefit. Yeah, my, mine's provided as well. Wow. Yeah. Sp- speaking of those hoity-toity private universities. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah me, sure. me must be nice to have a budget. Me, me, and Greg live in the public sector. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a public university. Oh, that's right. You are George Mason. Is yes. Yes. There's, there's a reason I've got a Droid Three. <laughs> yeah, well, it's I, I your actually... senior administrators uh, travel a little bit there, Greg. Pardon? It's because your senior administrators uh, travel a little bit there. Oh yeah. yeah. Don't get me started. We didn't cover that, did we? 
<laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, there's a big, big, big fiasco over some of the uh, University of California folks spending uh, lots and lots of money on travel. Well, well, you know what? If they cut that down, you could get an iPhone. I'll uh, I'll talk with them about that. Good, good. <laughs> See how that goes for you. Uh, Matt, is this? Are we ready for for so biometrics, retinal scans, and fingerprints? Um, I, I think if it works, I, I think there's definitely a place for it, particularly in what we do. I, I agree with Scott, the whole concept of having a customized system or having that as being your way to work. Um, what I found historically, I, I had that same IBM that you mentioned, uh, that it worked, what, about every seventh time or something yep. like that. If you, if you tilted the ThinkPad just right and you pushed your thumb down just so, maybe. Um, my guess is if Apple's rolled it out, they got this working, which is fantastic. Now it's just up to other people getting something that mainstream. I mean, I think I remember at least one touchpad that this has been on now for about four or five years. And even the manufacturer says it's there, but they don't recommend it. So uh, I, I think we'll see it eventually. I think we'll probably see NFC. Uh, being the first way to do identity management in AV before we get to biometrics, though. And see that. Because, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Say, that was going to be my next question to, to Greg: is, is are we there, or are we going to have NFC or some sort of of you know uh, RFID reader instead of biometrics, where you walk into the room and instead of hitting anything, it just magically, you know, does does the preset. I I don't I, I those things are coming certainly I my my crystal ball hasn't revealed an ETA yet I don't think the fingerprint readers are are that that this is this is a, a grand finale for them by any stretch I have a Lenovo ThinkPad that's about six months old that I absolutely love that has a fingerprint reader that works like an absolute champ like 90% of the time and and I love it and it's really convenient and I don't understand what all the debate is about really because your fingerprints aren't leaving the device it's all being figured out inside the device and they work now and if anything it's taught me that you know when I when I on, on if you get a, get a bad day where like your hand is like really dry or something, it will start to have problems. And boy, I'm really screwed because I can't remember my my type in password. Yeah, it's that, just it's one 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 one. <laughs> it's no, I, it's I think password. I upgraded to one two three four. Oh, good nice. for you. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, moving on. The ice locking HDMI. I only yes. mention this because I hate the HDMI connector, and this is something that's actually kind of cool. Um, ICE is a company that makes HDMI cables. According to the press release that we'll put a, a, a link to, I don't know this is a press release. This is more of a promotional thing. Um, they are introducing the Clear Series 2 HDMI cables at Cedia 2013, with the, which is according to this uh, recording. We're recording on Thursday, the 19th of September, uh, about a week from now. So, if you get out there, uh, take a look at these things because I would be interested to see how these things work. Uh, anybody, anybody else because excited about? They're not the first one. You know, I know. Kramer already has something just like this. So we've actually used a locking connector in a project this summer, and and well, it didn't go as well as we hoped, um, and it's. Mm, 
it you don't want to give it to faculty or students to plug their laptops into because um, <laughs> in a active learning classroom we had 24 stations apparently they we've already destroyed three out of 24 cables wow um yeah now were they the matt were they the like this the the passive high mm, friction torp or were the type or were they the ones with the little slider that really they're locks the, they're the slider type Oh, those those are freaking dangerous, <clears throat> guys! If you you put those in and you move the little slider, you you could spin the equipment around by the cable, and they are not coming out. Oh yeah, let let's give people two identical connectors: one that locks and doesn't come out, and one which just slides out. This is a freaking brilliant world we live in. So, so I, I as I read this uh, news release and and listened to to you guys talk, I. I wonder, do you guys actually try and swing your equipment around? Because I've built, I, I have, I've built racks, but um, you know the guys that work for me do. And honestly, we've never had an HDMI cable just fall out of a rack that's built. Never? No. 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 We. I, I would agree with Scott. See, and I do it, all the time. Yeah. It, so it I'm is. just not really sure what the problem. I mean, well, I know they're not great. We love locking stuff like VNCs, but yes. you know they go deep enough that they don't just kind of you know. Being being the these I think the only CTSI holder oh, on the panel. Yeah, oh, 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 go ahead, Mr. Brown. Goodness gracious, guys! In any way, although I I think some of you should like get off your butts and, and get some certification. And not to mention the fact that he's if the chairman of the you know technology managers council. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> I'm willing to bet Matt is the only one wearing a tie today. No, I don't wear ties. You don't wear ties? No, oh, I thought, all. I thought you wear ties fairly regularly. I guess it's just Good all the pictures. No. Yeah, you, you okay. see me when I'm presenting. I, I, I actually pretend to try to be presentable at that point. Oh, yeah, that would explain some of the comments I got. Um, <laughs> but if, when you're building a rack, you know, if you're building the rack right, you are running like some sort of a cable bar behind the piece of equipment, especially where you've got something like HDMI cables, which like to pop or migrate out, and you're tying the cable down within a couple of inches. And if you do that behind the connector there, they shouldn't be falling out. I think this is largely a, a canard that, you know, caused by people who really don't know what they're doing when they build their racks or just you know a lot of carryover from the the home theater folks who don't do any of this stuff anyway and just leave that big ball of wires behind the, the monitor so, so what you're saying is tim doesn't know how to handle a rack that's what i'm hearing apparently uh, so not only does he have to go through on his certifications his chairmanship he had to use a word i had to go look up oh nice <laughs> oh man <sighs> It's All right, pick we're on gonna, Greg Day today. Apparently, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, yeah, because we haven't mentioned anything about the other two. You know, as cold as as Maine and Mister Silverman. Um, last but not least, guys, I, we're gonna, we could talk about the weather if you want. No, thank you. You you always win because it's California, <laughs> freaking Southern California, dude. Actually, it sounded like it was a lot of ties to the, you know, another another couple months we'll talk more about the weather. There we but go. I, I was going to say it's actually a gorgeous day up here, too. I think it's about 74, and just there is not a cloud in the sky. Wow. Yeah, and, and how many mosquitoes will be out this evening? Oh, it's, it gets down to 30 at night, so they're all dead now. Yeah, that's, <laughs> see, that's, okay. that, that's the part of Maine I love. 
Um, all right, last but not least, we're going to kick this off or, or round this uh, uh, episode up with some horror stories or just interesting stories from the start of school. Uh, Greg, you have started school already. Hit. Yes. Kids don't come back for another oh, for week yet. What do, why do they pay you? Good <laughs> Lord, do you work? Uh, you know, good don't don't ask, don't ask my boss that question. I'm not sure he's got a good answer. Wow. Um, We've been back for a month now. Well, we didn't we didn't wrap up until you know the end the very end of June, almost uh, the beginning okay. of July. Okay. You know, we're 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 one of those last holdouts on the quarter system. So, you know, we're we're about to start our fall quarter for ten weeks, and then we'll we'll have Christmas, and then we'll have what winter quarter, and then spring quarter. So, okay. yeah, we're right. we're weird like that out here. All right. Well, do you have any interesting stories from not quite the start of school? I don't have but any horror stories. The the one excitement we had this was for a, a departmental space, but we did hang our first uh, eighty inch uh, uh, flat panel. Oh, yesterday. very nice. Yeah, it was for, for a little departmental conference room, and you know, it was a little bit. It it's overkill, but you know, they they asked for it, so what the heck? I figure. You know, great time to learn how to hang an 80-inch monitors when somebody else is paying for it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that that three-person lift up onto the bracket was 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 rather interesting and fun in a weird sort of way. And aside from the great big greasy uh, forehead print that the guy in the middle in the front put right square in the middle of the uh, of the screen, um, it was rather anticlimactic. Good. Was it was it three person because of the size or because of the weight? Uh, yes. Okay, because it, so it was still. Um, it, it yeah. The thing is, I mean, it doesn't weigh as much. Those those um, aquas boards are just a freaking metric ton for their size. Uh, uh, but this was what eighty inch, and I want to say it was it was over a hundred pounds. Wow. So the the initial. We um, when we when we got over there, it was still boxed up, and it was in a room down the hall. And I was over there with one of my guys, and we're like, "Okay, let's move the equipment, you know, to the room we're going to be working in." And we we both went over to the you know great big boxed up monitor, and we each grabbed the handhold on an end, and we both going, "Oh, okay, maybe we'll slide it down there." <laughs> Because it was, you know, boxed up. It's like 150 pounds or something like that. It wow. did not. It was. It was. Yeah. You know, we're wimps. I so, understand. Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, <laughs> be, being a you can being call a, me sir, sir. Being a tr- uh, you, have, you hold three certifications from Infocom, I believe. I'm just curious to know whether you participated in the install or you just supervised. I was on the stage right side of the monitor. So you were not the, the greasy forehead. <laughs> no, I was actually no, I was not the greasy forehead. Um, that yeah. Yeah, because we that two, wouldn't... On, two on each end, who were maneuvering the or handling the tilt and also getting the 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 hooks in the you know the piece on the monitor into the slots on the plate in the wall. Yeah. The brains rather than the brawn. Well, yeah, as it should be. It should be right. Uh, all right, Mr. Tyner. Well, any uh, any interesting stories, horror or or otherwise? You know what has been. Um, 
we typically have um, really good back to school uh, because we do a lot of work in the summer touching every single space. Uh, what we have had is um, surprisingly a lot of faculty who have walked into rooms um, in which we put cameras in over the summer or during the course of last year and have suddenly said, hey, I, I want to do class capture. Uh, and so a lot of responding to that and, and getting touch panels set up for custom settings for them and um, getting our video servers ready for them. So um, it's, it's, a, it's not a horror story. It's actually something we're really excited and interesting in, about, and it's, it's kept us on our toes and having fun. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when, we, when our faculty start asking for a capture because it's something that we're ready for. It's just it's, eh, our faculty are, are, a weird, are a weird bunch, and, and they're still not quite there yet. And its uh, faculty isn't. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, Mr. Matt Silverman, what is uh, any any stories for you from this summer? Oh, it's a real busy summer for us. We ended up actually, I think, bringing about seventy-five new classrooms online this Holy summer. Holy cow! We we had two Capitol buildings come up, plus our regular refreshes, mm -hmm. and it's kind of funny. Our our internal build teams actually delivered ahead of schedule, which was absolutely awesome, and the guys really knocked out the park. Uh, our, some of our vendor builds went a little bit interesting. On one building, we actually beat the general contractor. Uh, there's nothing quite like opening a building when it hasn't really gotten full occupancy yet. Um, and I think we're still staging 24-hour fire watches because the uh, system, ha the fire system, hasn't been certified yet. Wow. So yeah, well, but you know, classes have to start. So. Um, they they could wave their their bulletproof uh, whiteboards at the flames to fan them out. Yep. Or, or you could, you could just have the the, the students um, uh, sign a waiver saying you know <laughs> never mind. <laughs> no, and and I'd say the last one was yeah definitely finding out about the HDMI cables, but unfortunately, and I, I hate when we end up in the situation where we had to uh, turn a vendor programmed room on and classes started yet we still haven't quite finished it yet oh so there's nothing quite like about every friday trying to do a little bit more work to get it close to hull and you know hopefully i we think by the end of september we'll be most of the way there and then they can start working on getting the back end working but that's a whole nother conversation well i'll give you guys my one uh horror story um just like you guys, we, we meet with faculty, we meet with the deans and see what they want done over the summer. And uh, I have one dean, she's the, the dean of math and science, have a really good relationship with her. And so we're talking about this, that, and the other, and I'm all excited because I've, I've got you know enough money to do this, that, and the other. And she's like, if you can just get this, that would be great. I got it, this, that, and the other. I'm doing this whole thing. And, and she calls me the first day of class and she's like, hey, did you, um, um, did you ever get to that room? And I said, yeah. I said, like, two weeks ago. And she's like, well, they, they called and said there was nothing in there. I'm like, well, no. I, I said, I, I got, you know, I, I installed it. You know, I got, you know, room 412. And she stops for a second. She's like, did you say 412? I said, yeah. Huh. She said, it was supposed to be 421. <laughs> so <laughs> we spent an entire day installing the system in the wrong room. So... <laughs> Now I'm, and we're in the process of ripping it out of the old room and putting it in the new one. I'm 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 doing it on Fridays, like Matt is on the other one. So that was that's my what a bummer. I'm I'm an idiot one. So that's you know yeah, that's what you get for you know I don't know. It's when your heart just sinks in your it chest is. in the it, middle of that conversation. It is. It is, and I just yeah. But so it's like all right. Well, that that was me. That was on me. So sorry about that. We'll we'll get to it as soon as we can. So. 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh, with us has been uh, Mr. Matthew Silverman from George Mason University. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Where can people find you and uh, anything that you do? Oh, here, there, and everywhere. LinkedIn's generally the uh, best place to find me if you need me. All right, very good. Uh, also with us is Scott Tyner. Scott is uh, not only works for Bates College, but is a, a fine blogger in the world of higher education uh, for Rave Pubs. Where can people find you, sir? Uh, mo- you know, I, I mostly on Twitter, uh, but I'm I'm on LinkedIn as well. Right. Uh, and last but not least, Greg Brown from UCLA. Where can people find you, sir? Well, you know, I think for the last two shows, I have I have mentioned in an upcoming blog post on Infocom's All Voices pages, and I think by the time this is uh, released out to the real world, I will finally have that blog post posted. Wow! At Infocom at All go. Voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for first of first of two, the second one to follow shortly, uh, both shortly. on Infocom. Yeah, both bo- both on uh, Infocom back in June. You know, no- nothing like uh, nothing like prompt. Timely, uh, I think. Yeah, timely. Yes. Yeah, in in broadcasting, we would not refer to that as an evergreen piece, Mister Brown. <laughs> uh, speaking of Infocom, uh, Greg and I, and along yeah, with, with we had some work over the summer to do. Oh, your guys aren't still back to school yet. You have nothing. Uh, <laughs> um, Greg and I, and, and along with Ernie from the University of Arkansas. Uh, we're fortunate enough to be a part of the Infocom Today podcast with Brad Grimes. Check that out if you would. It was all about technology managers and the fabulous showing that the technology managers had at Infocom over uh, over the summer in Orlando. The largest, uh, the largest group, actually, the largest committee meeting that we had in Orlando was the technology managers committee meeting. So awesome. It was over, over 50 people. Yeah, yeah it was it yeah. was pretty cool. And um, th- this is one of the things I mentioned in my in my blog. The number of technology managers at the show. Now, now they wouldn't give me raw numbers, but the the number of tech managers was eight percent over last year alone. Yeah, I, I heard I heard the same thing. So, and it was you know it was the, it was the biggest infocom they'd ever done. That in yeah. conjunction with the fact that that our numbers grew as well. So good for you guys. You know, it, it good for us. Uh, check that out, and if you are interested, obviously the the next one will Yay go around us. before before we know it. Um, I think registration probably starts in February or March, and it's in Vegas this time. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. If you'd like to follow me or or do anything, uh, TD Albright, Tim David Albright is the uh, is the Twitter handle. But more importantly for me and everybody here, go to the website, if you would, please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Uh, the fine uh, web elves that do our website are uh, feverishly working on it, so pardon our mess. They're in, it's, it's in the middle of a, of a reconstruction. Uh, hopefully it'll be done in the next couple of weeks or so. But that's where you'll find this podcast, our weekly podcast, AV Week, uh, as well as a host of others. So go by the website, avnation.tv. Thank you so much for listening. This has been EdTech.